Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey there, this is Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you for choosing this podcast. There are over two million podcasts out there. And yet here we find ourselves again. If you're a regular listener, you know that I appreciate you because I always talk about that. And today we're going to talk about testing of batteries for electric vehicles. I know you're all going, oh my gosh, wow, I needed to know about that. But I have a great guest who just came in second place at the San Diego Angel Conference in a funding competition. And last year I was involved with that event and I interviewed all of the finalists. And so this year I reached out and said, I want to interview the finalists again because these are amazing companies who are making waves and shaking things up in business. And so today's guest is Zora Chung. Zora, Welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you, Tom. So we're going to jump in and talk about your company and talk about the growth and the money you're raising. But first, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership team. And if you're a regular listener, you know that I work for Stanton Chase International. So if you're looking to grow your senior leadership team and you're going to go to an executive search firm, Stanton Chase has to be one of the companies that you talk to. Reach out to me and I will put you in touch with the best search consultant in your industry. All right. So Zora, to start off, tell me a little bit about the Angel Conference in San Diego. How, how was that? How did you get involved with it? And, uh, and a little bit about the, the event itself. Yeah, um, so I got involved because um, Visual is a part of a few different accelerator support programs, one of which is the Southern California Energy Innovation Network, also called SCENE. Um, and they first told me about the San Diego Angels Conference. Um, a lot of the team is actually based there, so I never would have thought about applying to an angel conference in San Diego because I'm actually based in Los Angeles um, and our facility is based in the Long Beach area. Um, but after meeting a few of the investors, the angel investors, um, I got a lot of um, interest. Um, and so I proceeded to go through with the conference, which was actually really fun. Um, this is very different from um, presenting to other angel groups because you're actually not in a conference room or on Zoom. Um, you're actually in person. Um, so it was very interesting because there was quite a production, as as you know, since you were the MC last year. Um, so it felt a bit more like I was part of like like an America's Got Talent kind of thing <laughs> um, versus like uh, actually doing like a startup pitch. Uh, so that was quite unique. Um, but it was also, I mean, being in San Diego is nice too. So the night before we had the VIP reception right near the glider port and, ah, yes. you know, especially coming out of COVID, it's just like, Oh, you get to see people and be in a nice view. Like <laughs> it's hard to complain about that. Right. That's right. Last year they had the party at the glider port and that was an awesome place. Although last year everybody had to be masked up even though we were outside. So this year I'm yeah. sure it was sure it was a lot lot more fun. You know, I want to make sure everybody knows a little bit about your company. Her company
company is called Rejuul. And what they are is they are a startup that does fast testing for electric vehicles so that the electric vehicle companies can really know how their batteries are doing. And her background was in corporate finance for a couple of big brands. And that's how she became the co-founder and the CFO of the company. So Zora, let's talk a little bit about the details of what your company does. Tell everybody about Rejuul. Yeah. So we basically have an innovative um, technology to quickly grade batteries. Um, and why is that important? Well, um, if you have an, like an iPhone or a laptop, you know that the, over time the battery starts to degrade. Yep. Same thing happens in your vehicle, except there are thousands of them. Um, and obviously it's a concern if uh, you know that vehicle is taking you to work at home, it's parked in your garage. Um, and also will be much more expensive to do a replacement. Um, and right now there's not a lot of technology available to help you do that. Um, it either takes hours or um, you're doing a lot of workarounds, which is not going to be scalable over time. Um, so if we are to really uh, enable the transition to electric vehicles, we need a way to manage basically the what the thing that moves you around and it takes about half of the weight of the vehicle <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it's about a third the of batteries, the, cost, which is the, the batteries. The batteries are really heavy, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Extremely heavy and hazardous. So like transporting them is not really a viable option. Um, so being able to quickly understand the health of the battery for maintenance, for warranties, for repairs, and eventually to repurpose the battery um, in a second life application. Um, that is a very critical piece of information that's not easily available right now. So what led you into this line of work? How did you come up with this idea? Yeah, uh, I am definitely not um, the battery engineer <laughs> since my background is in corporate finance. So Stephen, who is my um, technical co-founder and my younger brother, he came up with the idea and I call it his mad scientist days uh, <laughs> because I randomly get a call from my brother and he said, I have this idea for, uh, you know, I want to repurpose batteries. I think there's a lot of opportunity here to reduce waste. Um, and this is like a technology that will take over the world, but we don't really understand it, um, which my first thinking was, that's impossible. We have to know um, how these batteries work. And so before, like I told, before we got started on actually starting the company, but let's talk to a few people just to vet your research. And consistently people were telling us, yeah, we don't really know the health of the batteries. We have all these algorithms that we try to use, but they're not that accurate and they're quite frustrating and not really scalable over time. So it just was like a big gray area or a big white space, if you will. And so that's when we decided, okay, we'll dedicate our time to doing this um, and starting our own company. And, um, you know, that was back in 2017. Uh, we got our first grant in 2019, hired like four more employees. And now we're at, uh, you know, 18 part and full-time rejuligans. <laughs> rejuligans. I like, I like yes. that name. <laughs> so with, with your co-founder being your, your little brother, was Stephen mm -hmm. always the, the, the mad scientist guy? Is he always the one who was into technology and, and the nuts and bolts of it? Yeah, um, I, we are about six years apart in age, and there were times when I would come home from uh, to visit my family. I, I went to Berkeley, so I was living in the Bay Area. My family is in the Orange County area, and he was going through uh, college and engineering. And, you know, engineering anywhere is tough. Um, they grade on a curve at Berkeley. I know that people, um, you know, would nearly failed, but they would pass the class because they graded on a curve. <laughs> um, and uh, he would come back and tell me, uh, you know, oh yeah, like my 
they published the scores on a curve and he was one of those dots that was an outlier in the beginning. I was like, that's crazy. Um, and he would tell me about all these things that he was doing with like these like satellite projects and um, always very fascinated with that. So, um, and then now I get to actually be in meetings with him with, you know, leading automakers and battery companies and they're asking him a lot of questions and always impressed with his answers and how innovative he is so it's really cool to get to see that uh, especially as an older sister <laughs> not to say that i can take credit for that but just obviously um you know seeing um your younger brother um, kind of achieve um and uh, be able to hold his own with like these companies did he go to berkeley also no he went to um uc irvine uh -huh. for undergrad and then university of toronto for graduate school. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. So it is funny because my, my future son-in-law is a mathematician and he is that outlier when it comes to math, right? He is, he is the, the one who, uh, is, is way out there. He now works for a hedge fund as a quantitative researcher and to mm. watch the way the, these people's brains operate, uh, it's a lot yeah. of fun. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's like watching a beautiful mind without the craziness. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My mind doesn't work that way. So, so, all right. So you, you started this company, you got your first grant, you got it going, you had a couple people. How did you get onto this fundraising arm uh, that has allowed you to go out now and, and, and raise sev several million dollars? What's the fundraising been like? Yeah. So um, we got our first grant in 2019. So that was 225,000 from the National Science Foundation and a 150 from um, CalSeed, which is a California-based um, clean tech uh, early startup like um, funding program, um, and since then, um, you know, we've just been able to um, capitalize on follow-on grants from those original programs as well as new ones. So our biggest one is a three million dollar grant from the California Energy Commission to repurpose used EV batteries into a second life application. So it felt like it was definitely written for us, um, and then we have a one that we're working on with the Department of Energy, uh, where it's also working to create a marketplace for used EV batteries. Um, and then now that we've actually done a lot of the early research that a lot of these grants supported, um, we're pivoting to uh, raising investor capital, which is what um, got me to the San Diego Angels Conference, uh, which helped me essentially close my pre-seed, uh, which was really great. Um, so now I can focus on uh, raising probably four to five million for my seed round now. Nice. Nice. So without giving away any sort of trade secrets, mm -hmm. what is a secondary life for an electric vehicle battery? I mean, I, I, I think about an electric car and I know mm -hmm. that the batteries die. I thought we just put them in the landfill. What, what, what else can be done with that battery? <laughs> yes, a lot more. Um, ideally, never the landfill. Um, so um, aside from recycling, which is the eventual end of life, um, there are a lot of potential use cases. Um, and it's really anything that is less strenuous than the original application. Um, so one very easy example of why a battery might be removed from, like, especially a mobility application, if you think about a UPS truck or maybe the bus, um, let's say it has to drive 200 miles every day. Um, once it starts getting like, and let's say the original range is 300, so you have plenty of buffer, but then it starts to get down to 250 and then 220. You might not want to use that anymore because there's just too much at risk because you don't want a bus or a UPS truck <laughs> stranded, right? No. Um, but it still has enough life left um, to maybe be in a stationary application. So a lot of people joke that it's like putting the batteries on vacation um, because you're basically, um, you're not trying to move a vehicle. Um, you're not 
always subjecting it to shock and uh, extreme heat and vibration. Um, in a stationary application, if you have a good box with amount of cooling, um, the batteries don't get overstressed. Um, so it can actually last much longer than originally intended because maybe it's not going through as many cycles or it's not going through um, as high of a charge or discharge rate. Um, so it really could be anything. The one that I like the most is um, going back to that UPS truck or that bus depot. Um, when you have that many electric vehicles, the biggest next challenge you have is charging infrastructure. So um, that can be so a lot of people are supplementing that with battery storage. So it'd be really interesting to use those old batteries that can no longer, um, you know, do the range that's required and actually power the newer batteries. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you actually have a truly circular economy there. Nice, nice. All right, so what's the biggest challenge in starting a company in a space that really didn't exist when you guys came up with the idea? I think, um, I feel like our biggest challenge, especially since the space didn't really exist, um, and batteries are just so technical, is um, first help, helping people understand that there's even a problem. Uh, because if you're not solving a problem, you're not you don't really have a viable business. <laughs> um, and so, um, like the good thing for us is the problem is inevitable. So it's whether or not um, are you just beginning your electrification strategy? Because if you're just buying your first truck you're really concerned about charging and um, actually getting people to figure out how to drive the vehicle like i've heard people where um they have their employees like be afraid of the electric vehicle because they don't know what to do right um and then after you have it for a few years that's when you actually start to care about okay um is this battery still meeting my warranty requirements um can i use it for a few more years or do i have to do a replacement and how expensive will that be and that's when the technology becomes more important so each with each passing year it becomes a little bit easier because more people have this problem and more people are used to it definitely the case of the san diego angels obviously because they've um, chosen to invest in us um but yeah just helping people understand the problem um, in uh, terms that they understand too. So not like engineering or battery terms. So what does the next five years look like for Rejewel? Yeah, so uh, at this point, we are looking at shifting from lab to customer sites. So getting more and more of our tester units out to different customer locations. Um, our end goal is to actually get um, you know across different dealerships so that when you bring in your EV for servicing and maintenance, we can do a quick health check. Um, and at First, you know, maybe it's perfectly fine, but after five years and we've done, let's say, two health checks a year, we have 10 data points for how the battery is performing. And when you actually might have a battery issue, we have all that historical data to help um, the automaker as well as the driver truly understand the, the value that's left in that vehicle. Nice. Nice. I've got a couple more questions for you about this, but first I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like Zora Chung. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Zora, when you joined your brother in starting this, after you had done the the, the viability, at what point did you quit your job and come on full-time? Did you do it right away or did you kind of ease into that? 
Yeah, I definitely eased into it uh, because, I mean, my background is not in engineering, so I couldn't really help him on the tech. Um, so for the most part, when it was still an idea and we're trying to find government grants here and there, um, then it was really a part-time job. So we officially incorporated in May of 2017 to apply for a few grants because you had to be an official company. You couldn't just be out of your garage. <laughs> um, but then it was in December of that year that I decided to leave my full-time job and pursue this hundred percent of the time because um, whether or not we were getting the grants, um, we needed to talk to more customers. Um, we needed to understand where the market need was. And um, that was something that I could do full-time. Um, and especially with a business background versus um you know, not to knock on engineers and stuff, but most of the time they don't like always talking to other people. <laughs> right. And and not every engineer who comes up with a great idea like Steven did, not everybody has an older sister who's got a corporate finance background, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so what's been the biggest change? Because I talked to the, this podcast used to be called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. When I started the show, that was the thing. When I, when I joined the executive search world, the entrepreneur term didn't really fit with what I was doing. So I, I changed the name of the show to focus on the C-level suite. But I still have this, this real passion for talking to people who leave the corporate job and follow their dream and start something. What was the biggest, what was the biggest shock or what was the biggest, big, most fun part of leaving the big brands and going to work with your brother? Yeah, um, so... I had, um, being in Silicon Valley, you definitely see and get a lot of exposure to the startup world, whether you're in corporate or not. Um, so there were certain things that like I kind of already expected. I, I think the biggest change was that, um, like I had to figure out what needed to be done and I was the one to prioritize that. And sometimes Steven can help me with that. But a lot of times, like neither of us really know. And I just need to be confident that I'm focusing on my time on the right thing. Uh, the big equalizer is everybody has 24 hours in a day. So it's really about how you uh, make use of your time um, the most efficiently. Um, yeah. So I think like that was probably like nice, but at the same time challenging because you're always worried that you're not focusing on the right thing. Um, the most random things that I started getting really excited about was because especially in the beginning, um, you know, we didn't get any funding yet. So we're putting in our own capital um, and just, um, or and not taking a paycheck, right. Um, is like every dollar truly mattered. And like at Walmart, um, when I was there, like, you know, a hundred million dollars is a rounding error in the financials. <laughs> so, you know, like that's, you, that's a lot a different lot. than a startup yeah. where probably like $12 is your rounding error. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when we wanted to attend our first battery conference and it cost like, I think $3,000 and I called up the event hosts and, you know, like pled my case and he said, you know, you don't have a group, but I'll give you the group discount rate, which is 25% off. And I remember like running around in my apartment being so excited because I saved us $600. <laughs> so what are the biggest challenges that you have at this stage now that you've gotten out of the research and now you're into to fundraising and really getting going? What are the biggest challenges that you face as a company to get on solid ground? Yeah. Um, so one big one for us this past year was growing the team. Um, and when you go from, you know, between six to eight people to now um, 15 to almost 20, if you include part-time, you can't do things the same way anymore. So we have to start changing a lot of our processes to make sure that they're more efficient. But at the same time, we're not so big where we're a few hundred people that we should find a way to keep everybody updated. So that's one big thing is with a growing and new team, how do you keep everybody informed and still moving at the speed that you want it to? 
Um, and I think um, the other big one is like now, like our delivery is to customers that are paying us um, versus grants organization, which is a lot more flexible. And, um, and as long as you meet their requirements and their rules, um, then you're fine. But with customers, it's definitely a different ballgame. Um, but it's very exciting, too. So, so, you know, this morning, uh, the, most of the team had a call with uh, one of our customers and it was a big meeting because the CTO of that business unit was going to be there. So just the amount of prep that the team put into to impressing that customer, I think, is, is, a, is a big change, too, versus before. It's like, OK, it's time to submit that NSF report and these are the uh, 15 pages that we need to fill out, you know. Sure. So what advice do you have for people who are sort of in the stage you're in? They're going from those grants to actually having paying customers and, and growing the company. What advice do you have for other entrepreneurs? Um, yeah, I guess if you're at this stage, um, I think is, um, especially if you've been like me, where you've been trying to do everything yourself, um, starting to realize that you need to hire talent that um, I specialize in certain areas. And I think right now there's actually a lot of people out there that are available for part-time gigs that maybe before it would have been hard to find that type of talent um, because you can't do everything yourself. And it's just trying to figure out how do you surround yourself with the smartest pupils and the things that you need to do. Um, and then I would say the other thing is like making sure that the laser focus that you have is still on um, uh, delighting your customer um, and finding additional use cases for the technology um, and making sure that you're growing with it. Um, and also not be overly excited when you get a little bit of traction, but to really think about what that means, because um, sometimes um, the customer might have in their head something very different than what you intended. So always clarify, too. So when you look towards the future, where do you see the company? I mean, maybe, you know, in 20 years, is this something that stands alone? Is this something that, that, that you sell? Where, where do you where do you see the company going in the long run? Because obviously electric batteries mm-hmm. aren't going away. This technology yeah. that you work on is going to become even more important to all of us. Yeah. So so where do you want the company to go? Yeah, 20 years. That's amazing. Um, so let's see, that'd be like 2040, uh, 2042, actually. So um, I would say that our technology has gone to the point where um, we're not we don't have to put individual testers that we produce that were actually embedded into equipment like a charger. Um, so basically every charger out there uh, might have a little regional logo if it has like our technology embedded in there. So you have a more accurate sense of the state of health. Um, we've gone beyond just helping repurpose use EV batteries, but we've become almost like an Intel inside that, you know, people have on their computers where it's like, Oh, there's a bit of quality assurance that I understand my battery health. Um, and also that like, we're helping enable a circular economy for EV batteries so that they can trust that like with our involvement, that these batteries aren't going into the landfills, um, (laughs) have an opportunity for second life and we're getting the most out of it. um, So they can feel better about the carbon footprints as well. All right. Well, you all heard it here first in 2042, when you're charging your car and you see the little rejewel logo, you'll think, where where did I first hear of this company? Hey, it was on making waves at sea level. Well, Zora, thank you so much for joining us here and congratulations on your second place victory at the San Diego Angel Conference. Any last words, any last words for people who are listening? Um, hopefully, um, you start, uh, your next vehicle will be electric, um, and battery powered. Um, and we will be there to ensure that that battery gets the maximum lifetime. Awesome. Well, it was so much fun to talk to you. Thank you for being here on making waves at sea level. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every show, if it wasn't for the audience, why would we do the podcast? So make sure that you come back. 
twice a week, we interview really cool people like Zora. I know you're thinking, how will you ever find anybody this cool? We do it every single time. So make sure you come back twice a week and listen to the interviews that we have and tell your friends about Making Waves at Sea Level because number one way people discover podcasts, word of mouth. So make sure that you go and tell somebody today. No, in fact, do it right now. I'll wait. No, I'm, go ahead. No, you can tell somebody. All right, thank you very much. All right, we'll see you in a couple of days. In the meantime, go out there, have some fun in business. Don't just, don't just work. Have some fun while you're doing it. And today, have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.